Well, this is week eight in our very short series on the kingdom of God. So open up your Bibles. We're going to start in Luke chapter 17. The kingdom of God. I want to encourage you, if you have not uh, really digested these messages, and if you're around here very long, you will learn that you can't digest the whole meal when it's served, right? You know, you, 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 you got to put some of this stuff in Tupperware containers, go back and, and open it up again. But it's like Italian food. It tastes better every time you reheat it. So, you know, because that anointing of the Holy Spirit, just like a, a proper sauce gets down into it, you know? So anyway, praise God. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. It says, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, this is kind of funny. Uh, it, well, it's kind of an interesting story because in Luke chapter 17, if you read this, there's 10 lepers that come to Jesus and they're like yelling at him going, hey, heal us, help us. So he just, he tells them back, he goes, go show yourself to the, to the priest, right? He just, he'd go, go to the synagogue, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Only one of them, a Samaritan man, came back, fell at his feet, thanked him. And Jesus asked, where are the other nine? You know, why didn't the other nine? But literally, as this man was going, his leprosy left him, showing that not all healings are instantaneous. It was as he went, as he literally acted upon what Jesus said. As he went, he's walking to the priest. Well, when he saw he was healed, he couldn't get, he's like, okay, I, I gotta, I'm gonna go to the priest, but time out, I gotta go back. And he fell at Jesus' feet, and he's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much, right? And then Jesus looked at him and said, your faith has made you whole. Now, in the middle of all this, we look at this as, okay, so he healed some people. But there must have been a lot more going on than healing because right after that, look at what happened. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, so in other words, there were Pharisees around there. And he must have been teaching something about the kingdom because look at what they did. He was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. What did Jesus do? He went about teaching and preaching about what? The kingdom. That's why he came, to bring the kingdom of heaven back to this earth and get it in the hearts of men. So there, I mean, it must have been so much of a part of this message that these Pharisees are going, hey, we're, we're demanding of you. When is this kingdom... When, when is the kingdom of God going to come? And then Jesus answered and said this, and we learn a, a huge thing that we know as New Testament believers. He said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. This Greek word observation means the kingdom of God doesn't come with an outward show. It doesn't come with signs to be observed. Neither shall they say, lo, here." nor lo there, for behold, and he said this, the kingdom of God is within you. So I want you to, now this makes a lot of sense to us as a New Testament believer after you read the epistles. Because that's, the epistles tell us all about what it means to have the kingdom of God on the inside of us. So now let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, and it's it might take us a couple weeks here, but we're going to get into this about the kingdom of God being in you and what that means. Because within the kingdom of God is your inheritance. And, and here's the thing. We are teaching this so that that inheritance that God has given you and I will manifest in our life and that will be part, a huge part of the witness because we need to be going about teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching what? That the kingdom of God is here. And it's for everyone. Right? So, so get, get ready. Get hungry. 
because we're going to get into some glorious things. I'm so excited about some of these things. You know, I don't get excited very much about the word, but tonight, <laughs> right now, it's thrilling. The word of God is thrilling, right? Look at what, look at what Paul said in, in this letter to the Ephesians. Actually, this letter was a circulatory letter, so it was written to Faith Family Church. It's written to the whole body of Christ. He said, blessed be, God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now in the Greek, this word heavenly would, would literally be translated heavenlies, okay? The word places, if you have a King James Bible, it's in italics because it wasn't in the original manuscripts, it was added by the translators. When you read a King James Version, because Hebrew and Greek, it's hard to translate all the time into English, so they would add words in English to bring clarity to the text. It does in this situation, but it's not there in the original. All He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. How many? All of them. In other words... There is not a spiritual blessing that is available in all of creation that you have not been given. And you were given that the moment you got born again. It's, you have it right now. Where are these blessings at? They're in the heavenlies in Christ. Okay, so let's look at this. This is not just talking. See, it makes you think about, okay, Christ, Galatians 3, and we're going to go there. You know, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles. This is not just talking about the blessing of Abraham. Okay? This is not, this is talking about so much more. The blessing of Abraham is good, but you have been given so much more than the blessing of Abraham. So we're also going to see in this, in our inheritance here, you must exercise your right to walk in these blessings. They don't happen automatically. You have to exercise your right to walk in them. All of these spiritual blessings, okay? So let's keep going a little bit. Now, actually, before we go on here, let's go to Galatians 3. Let's read this again. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Let's break this down a little bit. Because it's, we have to understand, you have to understand these all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It says in Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ hath, again, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us. This Greek word means he bought us. He paid a ransom to ransom us out of one place and put us into another place. We're going to see, and we're going to probably look at this tonight again, in Colossians it tells us where. He took us out of the delegated influence of darkness right? He took us out of the curse of the law. He we're out of it. You are not in the curse of the law, okay? And he put you into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. He redeemed you from the curse of the law. Wow. What is the curse of the law? It is the curse that came upon man when he disobeyed God's commands. Did God curse him? Nope. No, the curse came because of man's disobedience. Okay? It includes spiritual death, sickness, disease, pain, and poverty and lack. Now get real excited because what I just told you the Bible said you were bought out of spiritual death. 
See, we got that, don't we? Oh, yeah, pastor, I know that. If I die today, I know I'm going to heaven. Why are we so strong there, but these last two areas were not so strong? The reason why is because of what's been preached to us. Salvation's been preached very strong. But we got some of this nonsense floating around about God heals some and not others. God blesses some and not others. And don't talk to me about that prosperity stuff. Right? So that's why sometimes we have, but just as much as you've been bought out of spiritual death, you have been bought out of the curse of the law, which includes sickness and disease and pain, right? Poverty and lack. You've been bought out of that and placed in the kingdom of God's dear son, in the kingdom of God. Wow. How did he do that? Jesus had to be made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And now he's quoting Deuteronomy 21, 23. Jesus, in other words, when he was crucified, now we know when was I taken out of the delegated influence of darkness, right? When was I redeemed from the curse of the law? When was it all paid for? On the cross, right? April of about A.D. 30. Could be as late as A.D. 32, but probably around A.D. 30. So that's a long time, way before I was ever born, right? (laughs) Now, this is written, this is written to Gentiles, right? Because here's the problem. The problem was not that man was a sinner. You had to go deeper than that. Why did man sin? The problem is that man was spiritually dead. That's why man sinned, right? This curse comes from the Mosaic Covenant. We can see it. You could go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses like 15 to about 60-something, and it will tell you, it will lay out the curse of the law for you. And, and we see, when you initially look at it, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So there was only two possibilities. It was either the Ten Commandments or it was the Mosaic Covenant. Well, it wasn't the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments never listed a curse. It just said, thou shalt not. It didn't say, thou shalt not or this will happen. Right? That was in the Mosaic Covenant. So we know this is what it's exactly what it's talking about. So the Pentateuch, literally, the first five books of the Bible that were penned by Moses, they were breathed by God. God gave Moses these first five books, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The curse of the law is listed right there, right? Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15, all the way through verse, I think, I think it's about verse 68, 66, I think it's 68, through the end of the chapter, basically. So we're redeemed, according to the word of God, from the entire curse of the law, spirit, soul, and body. Wow. How are we redeemed from that? Through the atonement, through the redemption that is in Christ. His blood did not cover anything with you and I. It erased it. The Holy Spirit doesn't come into you when you get born again and takes your spirit and renovates your spirit. No, no, no. It's no, no. It can't be renovated. It is taken away and it's gone forever. And a brand new spirit is created in in you. And then the Holy Spirit takes up eternal residency in you and he sheds the love of God abroad in your heart, right? The Holy Ghost does that so that you can know that God loves you so that you could love him, right? So that you could love others. So we're redeemed, spirit, soul, and body from the entire curse of the law. That's, I mean, we could go home right now and that's really good news, right? This covenant, you have to know, does not belong to the Jews. Yeah. 
this covenant belongs to the church. Does not belong to the Jews. It belongs to the church. Okay? They were given the Mosaic covenant. But we have a different covenant. Right? There's only one covenant. Jesus fulfilled the whole other covenant. Right? So let's talk about this. He did this. Why? Verse 14. Galatians 3 verse 14. He did this so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Blessing. The blessing of Abraham. The word blessing here in the Greek means a liberal pool of resources to help and to bless others. You have, ha you have a blessing that has come upon you that will create a liberal pool. That means a more than enough pool of stuff and resources so that you can help and bless others. Why? Because we're to be light in this world. We, freely we've received, that's why freely we give. Because we've been given. Now, now this is not something that's going to come upon you as you're sitting here tonight. If that blessing is completely inactive in your life, it is upon your life. It's completely there. You have everything you need in your life right now where God will create a liberal pool of resources so that you could help and bless others. Wow. The blessing is an endowment of power from God that will produce good things in your life so much so that it goes in your life, fills you to overflowing, and it goes through your life to bless others. That's, what, that's the blessing that we're talking about. But I'm here to tell you tonight, we've been given even much more than that. Because this, it, we've been given all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ as well. Wow. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, according to this scripture, you and I have been separated from the curse and separated to the blessing. Wow. That is unless you tithe, if you don't tithe, then the curse of the law will come on you. I'm sorry, that is not true. Not true at all. You've been redeemed. You've been separated from the curse and separated to the blessing. So you can, as you sit here, if you want to speak the word, you have to say this. And say this with me. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I've been separated from the curse of the law. And separated to the blessing of Abraham. That's not anybody's opinion. That is God's word forever settled in heaven. Right? Well, I just don't believe it. Well, okay. Doesn't mean that it's not so. It is so. Right? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So listen, being redeemed from spiritual death, what does it do? It enables us to have the very life of God in us, okay? Spiritual death, what is the definition of spiritual death? Man's spirit being separated from God. Physical death, man's spirit being separated from his physical body is a result of spiritual death right? Why is my body, why does it age? Because I don't have the fullness of my salvation yet. I just got the first fruits. My spirit is brand new. Oh, but I've got a covenant and I've got the name of Jesus and I've got God's word so that I could live in this body even as it ages upon the earth. 
This body is not to wear out, not to become full of disease and full of pain. It's to last me my whole life until I am done. Right? And then when I die physically, oh, that doesn't mean cease to exist. It's just my spirit steps out of my body. It's just separated. Right? That's spiritual death. Do you realize people who are living on this earth, they are living in bodies. They look very much alive, but they are dead spiritually. Why? Because their spirit is separated from God. It has, still has that spiritual death working in it. Now what God has done, though, is he's removed all of their sin out of the way. He's no longer accounting man's sin, so now God has a legal right to come into their life. If they'll invite him, and he could wake up their conscience so that they know, oh my gosh, I need Jesus. And they could receive him. That's so good. God, in other words, did something in you and I so that he could put something on you and I. Do you see that? Okay, so let's keep going. So the gospel message is Jesus ransomed us from the curse so that God's blessing could come upon man, right? So in verse 14 of Galatians chapter 3, the blessing of Abraham plus the promise of the Spirit through faith equals all the spiritual blessings spoken of in Ephesians 1.3. So you, you got to get this. I would write that in your notes. The blessing of Abraham plus the promise of the Spirit through faith equals all the spiritual blessings spoken of in Ephesians 1.3. I was blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. Not either or. So if you look at the Jews, they had temporal blessings, right? If they obeyed God, God would bless them. Man, they would increase. They would, they would increase financially. Nobody could conquer them. I mean, it was amazing, the blessing. All the, all the nations of the earth would call them blessed. But if they got outside of that, if you'll notice in the Old Testament, they suffered loss. But then if they jump back and start obeying, man, all the blessings of God would, would come upon them again, right? The Jews had these temporal blessings. We have been given spiritual blessings, right? Now on the surface, people are going, darn it. I like that temporal thing, man. I like, you know, houses and overflowing money. Well, hold on, right? We now have spiritual blessings and temporal blessings. In other words, this is the way it works for us. The spiritual blessings enforce the temporal blessings. You've got to understand this. Okay? The spiritual blessings enforce the temporal blessings. If you don't understand heavenly places in Christ you're not going to be able to understand spiritual blessings. So that's why the Lord's going to make it real simple for us. So again, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let's go back there. Let's set our eyes on this. And then we could go on a little bit. You guys doing okay? Man, I'm telling you, this is going to help you. It's going to help all of us. It's amazing how slow the clock goes on a Wednesday for me sometimes. I'm like, man, is it 7 o'clock yet, right? It says that, well, I, I, to be honest with you, I look forward to Wednesday. About, about 12.45 to 1 o'clock on a Sunday, I'm really looking forward to Wednesday. And then about 8.15 to 8.30 on a Wednesday, I really start looking forward to Sunday. So, yeah. And those other Bible studies in between just help me. In Ephesians 1.3, let's look at this. Blessed be the God and the Father and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So the literal meaning of verse 3 here 
is this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the spirit realm in Christ. That's, that's exactly what it's saying. Okay? Right now, you and I as believers are spiritually seated at God's right hand in Christ. That positionally, that's where we are. Temporally, where are we at? We're here, sitting here at Faith Family Church. So the church has substituted God's promises of temporal and material blessings as identified through the blessing of Abraham in the Old Testament. They've substituted that for the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Many times people are just, they're just, their eyes are set on these temporal blessings. And that's not where, if you're kingdom minded, you don't, you're not set there. Because you understand, no, 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 the spiritual blessings enforce the temporal blessings. So, so what, what am I saying here? Well, let's, let, let's go on with this a little bit. People think there was an exchange made. The Bible doesn't, have, it doesn't say we have a different or substitute covenant. There's one covenant, right? So let's look at this. Let's go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. And, and we're going to make all this make sense here in a minute. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. It says this. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he, now this is talking about Jesus, is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. So in other words, we have been given a better covenant established on better promises. Only one covenant. We've been given one covenant. And it's better and it's established on better promises. The fulfilling of the old covenant. What was that? That was God's covenant with the Jews, right? Through the finished work of Jesus, that's how it was completed. That other covenant came to an end. Jesus fulfilled it. Is the completion of the one covenant he made with Abraham. Jesus showed up and he completed the covenant that was made with Abraham. Is, is what we're saying. God does not have one covenant for the Jews and another covenant for the church. There's only one covenant. The other has been fulfilled. It's, done. it's gone. It's done. Right? God has one covenant with the family of God. Why is this important? You're, you could be sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I got that. No, we have to get it because... We still get so focused on material and temporal things that we forget that all these spiritual blessings which we have is what enforces the other. It works different for us than it did in the Old Testament. And you'll see that in a minute. God's people in the Old Covenant were the physical descendants of Abraham. Once Jesus came along, it now became a spiritual family instead of a natural family. Jesus fulfilled that covenant and then made it better. He, he was the fulfillment of the law. What does better mean? Better means all the material blessings plus being made a new creature in Christ. You could say it this way. It means all the material blessings plus being made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Because I'm telling you, when you realize what, what, what you received when you were made righteous is everything. Okay? This all means that you now are in a new position. 
You need to, you need, God wants you to see this. Because the world is getting louder and, and all this stuff can get very loud and very big until you realize, wait a minute, time out. I am in a different position. The enemy will, ne- the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Nothing this world can throw at the church will ever stop it. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. Nothing will stop that, right? So I don't have to worry about where my next meal's coming. This is why the foundation of kingdom life is we are never to worry about our needs. God will always meet all of our needs, but guys, he doesn't meet them. Don't think of meeting your needs. See, earthly standards means if my electric bill is $89, oh, time out, it's 2022. If my electric bill is $389, right, then guess what? The blessing of Abraham is on me. So not only will I have the 389 for mine, but the blessing of Abraham is God's empowerment to provide a liberal pool of resources so that I could help somebody else pay their electric bill. He meets my needs according to his riches in glory. His riches are unlimited. Do you, you, you gotta, this is kingdom thinking. That's why I don't look to my job as my provision. I don't look to my investments. I don't look, no, I look to him because he is my source. I, am, I, am, I have been deployed for this season of my life to show forth the kingdom of God. The spiritual blessings are in the spirit realm, Right? So this all means you're in a new position. Now we have added the spiritual position. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You should live your life that way. You should look at everything that you face through that lens. Because all sickness and disease looks really small. The enemy looks really small when you compared to where you're seated. And this is not a fantasy. This is a reality. Abraham had a covenant partner who was a spirit being. Abraham did not have a spiritual position. He had a covenant partner who was a spirit being, God. We, he didn't have a spiritual position. He did pretty good without a spiritual position. But we have a spiritual position now. Now we have authority. Now, now, now it's going to start making sense, so get this. Now we have authority to operate with God's help under God's umbrella of blessing and authority so that you can carry out his will in the earth. Let me say this again. Now we have authority to operate with God's help. What am I saying? I've been given authority in the name of Jesus so I can bring the God of the universe right on my situation in my life to change anything to come in line with his word. That's why all things, wow, all things are possible to me when I believe this. I have been given authority to invite the God of heaven to come into my life so that I could yield all my fruit, so that I could lay hands on the sick and see them recover. If, any, if I drink any deadly thing, it will not harm me. A thousand will fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't even come near me. Pestilence has no right in coming into my dwelling place. Do you see how we need to grow in this? Because remember, you have to exercise your right to walk in this. 
Because Satan, everything he's doing, he's operating as an outlaw. He'll come across that barrier unless you tell him he can't. And if you tell him he can't, then he can't. Because why? Because God will back that up. So let me read this again. Now we have authority to operate with God's help. And under God's umbrella of blessing and authority so that you can carry out his will on the earth. Man, when I think of it that way, there is no way that Faith Family Church or anything I put my hand to will not be brought to maturity. Because he will bring it to maturity. Wow. Abraham, listen to this, was totally dependent on God doing everything. God would bless the work of their hands. Now, we have a spiritual position in Christ to use God's authority, to use God's power, to institute God's blessings that are in the name of Jesus to carry out God's plan and purpose in the earth in a much greater way. Before God had to do everything for him, now he's telling us, you use my name. I've been, I've been given the name of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus is all authority, all power, all blessing. So I must use the name. It's just doesn't... It just doesn't happen automatically. This is why there's so many Christians that are living defeated lives. And they play church and they, they try to make all these excuses up. But the bottom line, they're in rebellious disobedience. They're saying, I'm unpersuadable. Pastor, I just don't believe that. I just, that's just too good to be true. I just don't believe it. Why, why, were, why would somebody be that way? Could you imagine? People are going to be standing when we're raptured out of here and they're standing before the throne of God, they're going to be going, wow. And I was concerned. I was not seeing things right. Instead of how they are on the earth, blaming God for all this. You know, you know I, I, I took the word and I was believing God and it just didn't work. Okay, time out. You just said that God's word doesn't work. Well, I'm going to just probably side that maybe you are not in the right place, but I don't think God's not in the right place. Right? This is so important. You've been given access now as you come from this place and position. This is kingdom living. I use the name of Jesus and I bring God's authority, God's power, and God's blessing on the scene. I have that ability to do that now. So let's look at Moses. I want to look at Moses. I've talked about this a little bit. I want to go in greater depth on this tonight. Moses is an Old Testament example of a New Testament believer. Okay? He's an example of one. Moses spoke to God face to face. Why does it say that? Because that's the way we speak to God. Moses understood things about God that no one else could understand. Oh, Father, grant me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you so that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened and I would know your plan for my life. I would know the incredible inheritance that I've been given and I would know the incredible power that is pointed towards me as I believe you. I can understand things about God that someone who doesn't know God, they can't understand. Do you know how unlimited your understanding? You might be sitting here right now going, man, this is so good, but I'm just not getting it yet. No, just keep, you have been given the mind of Christ. You'll get it. Amen. If you'll hunger after it, you'll be filled with it. If you'll knock, it'll be open to you, right? If you seek it, you will find it. Nobody's going to stand before God and go, you know, God, I just, you know, uh, 
I, I understand there's a lot of ashes around me right now because all my works kind of went up in smoke, but, you know, it really wasn't my fault. I, you know, I, I, tr I, I tried to do your will. There won't be any of that there, right? Why? Because Jesus' yoke, his doctrine, is easy. So now I want you to look at Exodus. I'm going to read I'm going to jump a little bit, but I want to read this story. So ex go to Exodus chapter 14 in verse 5. So we're going to read the story. Now, remember, types and shadows. The children of Israel coming out of Egypt is what? It's a type of us coming out of the world and being born again. They ate the Passover lamb right? And what happened? They came out of Egypt with a great spoil. In the same way, the minute you got born again, you were given all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Okay? Been given everything. Yeah, but I need money. Oh, it's, you, you've been given it all. Way, a lot. All, all. Way beyond. So, let's see here. We're going to start in verse 15, or I'm sorry, in verse 5, and we're going to go all the way through verse 16. All right. So now I want you to... So this is going to be thrilling because you're going to see this so clearly. The Lord said he's just going to, he's just going to show you. Right? Show all of us. So, so here it is. The children of Israel, they leave with a great spoil. Pharaoh lets them go. They leave. So they're gone. And it was told the, king, told the king of Egypt. Now, who is Egypt? It's the most powerful nation on the planet. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people and they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? All of a sudden, Pharaoh's going, why in the world did we let them go? They were our slaves. And he, Pharaoh, the big cheese, right? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt. So there was 600 of the main ones and then all the rest of them. And captains over every one of them. It'd be like the United States going, okay, we're going after this country. And we're, and all, how, how many ships? All of them. How many tanks? All of them. How many planes? Oh, just all of them. Everything. Okay? So now, and it says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. So now, and the Lord hardened. I wish I had time to teach on that because this makes a lot of sense. When you study this out, Pharaoh got, got if, here's just in a nutshell, God is all-knowing. And God sees everything. He tried to get Pharaoh to do it the right way, but he knew Pharaoh was not going to do it. So in the permissive tense, you could read it, and the Lord allowed Pharaoh to harden his heart. Pharaoh chose to harden his heart. Okay? Real quick. And so... Verse 9, but the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them camping by the sea. And I'm not even going to go and tell you what sea in all that area because wow, right? Just he overtook them by the sea. Is that good enough, right? And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. Now put yourself in their situation. All of a sudden, they, they are like partying. They're like, wow, 
Look at the gold we have. Look at all this stuff we got. We're free. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden, they turn and good feeling gone. (laughs) Something so much greater than them is coming upon them. This is exactly what happens to a believer. You're living your life, you're coming to church, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And then all of a sudden, you get diagnosed with something that could kill you. Or all of a sudden, something happens in your life and, and the enemy's attacking and, and you're, in a, you're in a situation that looks like, oh my gosh, there's no way out. That's exactly where these people were at. Think of it in relation to this, okay? So and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and the, Jew, the Jewish people, the Israelis, were sore afraid and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Verse 11, and they said unto Moses, now I'm gonna read this in the New American Standard because it, I'll read it in the King James. It's a little vague with Elizabeth in English. The New American Standard brings it out real clear. So actually, go ahead and put up the New American Standard if you can. There's like 50 different New American Standards. This would be the NAS 77, 1977. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? I mean, could you imagine? Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Moses, why did you do this? Did you do this to kill all of us because there's no graves? Because when when Israelis would die, there were no graves. They just threw them in a ditch because they were nothing. They were slaves. Verse 12, I'll jump back to the King James just to make me feel better. It's not my fault. It's the way I was grown up. You know, I, I grew up in the church back when dinosaurs ruled the earth. And, you know, in the Baptist church, it was just the King James Version, right? So verse 12. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Now they're going to Moses why have, you done, why have you done this to us? This is why we told you, Moses, when you came, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. Right, do you see this? New Testament believer, why, why is this happening to me? Come on, why do other believers, they get to live their life and, and, and they're not even as good as I am and they don't have to deal with this. Is that, don't, can, can we be real? Yeah. Right? Wait till you're believing God for something. You'll run into everybody who got healed of it. And you're just like, I still remember when my back was all whacked in the first year of our church or second year of our church. I, I looked like a hockey stick, you know, and, and, and there's this lady in our church. She sees me in a restaurant there, through the glass and she had like pumpkin bread that she wanted to bring me. So I watch her. She gets out of the car. Sweetest lady in the world. Just love her. Name's Hathy, right? She gets out of the car and I see her walking. Now she's athletic. She runs and plays tennis. But she's like bent over, kind of limping. So I go outside. I, I, I excuse myself. I see her walking in. And I'm like, man, I don't want her to have to walk all the way in here, you know. So I walk out, so here I am, you know, I'm walking out. And she's, oh, how you doing, right? We go to that powerful faith church, the faith and healing church. And so I'm like, Kathy, what's going on? Oh, my back, man, I threw my back out. Oh, let me pray for you. Man, lay hands on her. Next day, she's like, pastor, wow, all the pain left, just totally. I'm like. Have you ever done that? Right? That's what's happening here. Look at this. So Moses responds to the people. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, 
which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Moses is a type of a New Testament believer. For that COVID virus that came into my life and wiped me out for a couple weeks, I will never see it again. Right? This is, so look at what he says. First thing he says, fear ye not. Why? Why would he say that? Because you cannot obey God if you're in fear. Obedience is always the key. You cannot get God's work or get God's word to work for you if you don't obey it, right? And you can't obey the word of God if you're you're in fear. So verse 14, he says this, the Lord shall fight for you and you you shall hold your peace. See, verse 13 and 14 It's a picture of what happens today in the lives of a believer when Satan tries to steal what God has given you. Listen, if you have sickness or disease in your body, do you realize you've already been given healing? If you have any kind of financial lack in your life, do you realize you have already been blessed with the finances? If you're fighting... Anxiety, fear, depression, mental anguish, any kind of mental situation going on, do you realize you have already been given your answer? You already have it. Deliverance has already been accomplished for you and I. See, these people left Egypt healthy. Think about that. They say anywhere from two to seven million. I think it's probably closer to two to three million. There was not one feeble among them. So that means after they ate that Passover lamb, there was such a healing revival that they all came out completely whole and healthy. They not only left Egypt healthy, they left Egypt prosperous and they left, left Egypt completely free. When we were born again, we left the kingdom of darkness and we were transferred into the kingdom of God. Do you see the parallel here? Pharaoh, who is a type of the devil, tries to take away, what's he doing with the children of Israel? He's trying to take away the deliverance that was already accomplished. In the same way, Satan will try to take away your deliverance that has already been accomplished, and you have to stand up and say no. Look at the final plague that caused Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. It was the plague of the death of the firstborn. That's a type of Jesus. Why why was that? Because I was freed by the death of the only begotten Son of God. This is a picture of us. Wow. Moses tells the people, God will fight for us. Now, all of a sudden, Moses has a moment. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses who is a type of a New Testament believer, why do you cry to me? What? I mean, Moses is speaking all this stuff, man. These guys, you're never going to see them again. God will fight for us. But this is a type of a New Testament believer. So God looks at Moses and says, hey, why are you crying to me? You know, how many ch- you know how many children of God right now are crying to God? God, please heal me. Please, you got to help my family. You got, you, my kids are going in the wrong direction. You got to help me. Please, God, you got you to heal me. You got you to fix this. You got to do this. Please, God. And it's not happening, and people are going, yeah, see, that faith stuff doesn't work. See, 
we know this. He said, why do you cry to me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Type of a New Testament believer. Moses, speak to the children of Israel so that they can go forward. See, Moses had to be talking to the Lord about him taking care of the Egyptians. He goes to, you know this happened. He goes to the children of Israel. Hey, don't worry, God's gonna fight for us. These guys you're seeing, you're never gonna see them again. God, okay, here's the deal. I need you to fight for us. Please, God, you gotta show up here or we're toast. And he's like, why are you crying to me? You speak. Look at this. Speak to the children of Israel so that they can go forward. This is why God has placed me in your life as a pastor. So I could speak the word to you so that you and your life can go forward. This is the cool thing. If you were dependent upon me, we'd all be in trouble. Right? But listen, God will speak his word through an individual. That's why we preach the word here. Moses exercised authority to get them free by obeying what the Lord told him to do. How did the children of Israel come out of Egypt? How did they get free? Moses had to obey and do what God told him to do. Right? The Lord tells Moses again how he's going to get them free. You speak to them so that they can go forward. You will have to, here's the big thing, guys. You will have to speak in order to go forward in your own life. You'll have to speak. Verse 16, God says, so now he's going to tell Moses what to do. But lift up your rod which is a type of the name of Jesus, and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. <laughs> Moses would be like, what? Say, what did you say? You want me to divide it? Right? And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now, this is a picture of a New Testament believer. Moses, look at this. Stretch your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go, over on, shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So here's the deal. There's only one solution to the devil robbing them of health, prosperity, and freedom that God has already given them. There's only one solution for them to be able to win in this situation. Moses had to obey God's word and exercise authority. He had to, he had to stretch forth his hand and use the rod, which is a type of you and I using the name of Jesus. Moses had no physical or natural ability to part the Red Sea. That should thrill you. Because to do what God wants for your life, you have no, no, no physical or natural ability to make happen what God wants to do in your life. It's beyond you. Moses does not perceive any supernatural ability to part the Red Sea, right? Moses doesn't seem to know that he has that authority until God speaks to him. He doesn't seem to know it until God speaks to him. But you know, God has spoken to us. This is where most of the church is. We have authority, but we don't know it. The enemy's beaten us up, and we don't know we have authority. But no more, Amen. right? Amen. Moses obeys and does what God says. In other words, Moses does the word. 
He acts on what God says and things supernaturally change. Hallelujah. So let's just jump down for time's sake here. Verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Look at this. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. Boy, that would be a strong east wind, wouldn't it? All that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. So picture this. All of a sudden, Moses raises his hand and that rod. He uses the name of Jesus and all of a sudden something starts happening. Wow. Notice it did not happen until Moses moved, then God moved. That's, that's exactly the way it is for us, guys. Look at this. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now check this out. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, now could you imagine this? So, okay, so we got to back up here. Moses stretched out his hand, verse 21, right? And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. Right? And it came to pass in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. You even see, I mean, picture this. All of a sudden, this pillar of fire and a pillar of the cloud is now in between this Egyptian army and the children of Israel. But the Egyptian army, they see the pillar and they still go down. They're still pursuing. And then in the morning, when they're looking at the pillar of fire and the pillar of a cloud, which has to look pretty intense, that's not all they see. They see the God of heaven looking at them. Now, probably not clear face because nobody could look and live. But they see and know that God is looking through this at them and it troubled them. You would have thought, guys, let's get the heck out of here, right? And took off their chariot wheels that they drove them heavily. So not only that, when God looked at them, he caused all the chariot wheels to fall off the chariots. So now they're dragging, right? So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel. Wow. Wait, the Lord looked at them, but from the face of Israel. But there's so much here. For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. This is why when you humble yourself under God's mighty hand and you resist the devil, you're standing there in the armor of God. You look like God. That's why he flees like he's in terror. This is exactly the New Testament believer. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots. Do you know they have a picture? They found this. 
You could see, the, you could, I've seen the, a picture of a, the chariot wheels. They were of the time of Moses. Wow. I always thought the water knocked off the, the wheels. Then when I read this again, I know God knocked them off, right? The waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Guys, if you, if you will trust God, if you will use the name of Jesus and speak the word of God, his will over your life, he will perform it for you. The place of all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, it is a place of authority where you use the name of Jesus. Now the mature believer won't pray to God to do things for him. He knows it's already done. We live on the earth but have a place of spiritual authority in heavenly places in Christ. It, in Christ, it's, it's on, at the right hand of the throne of God. I'll close with this. It says in verse 6 of Ephesians chapter 2, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So once you know God's will, it's a matter now of acting on your authority that you've been given in the name of Jesus to carry out God's will in the earth. Wow. Ephesians 1.3 is telling us we've been given everything that we need. That's the message. I'm telling you, the, the importance of this message. Guys, this is your answer. It's all you have to do is use the name of Jesus and change everything. God wants your life to look like days of heaven on the earth. Isn't that good news? And it's because he loves us so much.